Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, uh, why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Father God, thank you so much for once again this opportunity to gather in your house as your children for the sake of worshipping you, being encouraged and being equipped to share the life-changing message of Jesus. And Father, this morning we pray that as we, you know, turn our attention to your word, that you by your spirit would soften our hearts, that you would lead us towards fresh revelation of your love for us and of the purposes that you have called us to. And God, I pray today that as I present what is the message you've placed upon my heart, God, may it fall on good soil today. God, I pray that each and every one of us would be receptive to your word. May it find a place in our hearts. May it go deep down into the soil of our hearts and as a result of that, produce much fruit. God, help me, just an everyday bloke who happens to be a pastor, to bring you glory and honour this morning, I pray. And as always, I pray in the name of Jesus, amen. How many times have you said to yourself, it is not what I expected? It is not what I expected. You know, you might have gone down the lakeside and hit up Elysium and looked at the menu. There was a wonderful steak option there. You ordered that. The next thing you know, they serve you up a little 150 grammar, you know, on a little pile of mash with one bean sitting on top of it, thinking that presentation is all that matters. I've got news for you, Elysium. There's much more to this thing than just presentation. Give me at least a 200 or a 250 grammar. Can I get an Amen. It's not what I expected. Perhaps for some of you, there may have been another situation in your life that was unexpected for you. One of the joys I have as a pastor is that I get to visit people and I get to, you know, go and visit young couples who have recently had babies. You know, we've had a couple of twins here recently. We've got a few more on the way. But uh, there's the odd occasion where the couple would say to me, yeah, look, we're over the moon, we're thrilled, thank God, but it was not what we expected. We didn't plan for this, yet it is still a gift from God. You know, perhaps your favorite sporting team, you know, achieved something that wasn't quite normal. Maybe that happened at the Gabba on Friday night, I'm not too sure. It it wasn't what we expected. Sorry to Manus if he's here this morning. Life throws up a whole bunch of different things for us, and along the way, we find ourselves in situations that were totally and perhaps completely unexpected. Now, I want to show you a picture this morning of my very first pastoral appointment, which happened in the Ipswich suburb of Riverview. See, you all thought I just made fun of Ipswich. And that's not true. Well, it is true, but I have also followed the call to Ipswich to begin a work of ministry there. And and, uh, in 2004, my wife and I, along with five other people, we were endorsed and commissioned by the Church of the Nazarene, that was the church I was with back then, uh, to establish a new work. You know, I was fresh out of Bible college, 
And I had the firm belief that my theological expertise and my ripped jeans was going to bring revival to the suburb of Riverview. You know, I was a college graduate. I, I had all that was required to be a fruitful pastor and to make a difference in that city. But can I tell you this morning, it ended up being something that I did not expect. It was not what I expected. You know, leading the singing and preaching the message nearly every Sunday was not what I expected. Poor attendance at our small groups, our youth nights, our Sunday services and special events was not what I expected. And in fact, one day as I was preaching there at Riverview, one of the very few people who were coming decided to bring their dog. So seeing a dog run around during worship and during my sermon was something that I did not expect. Yet it was a learning experience for me, a great one that really put me onto a course that I believe was of God and blessed by God. You know, last week, we launched a new series called Salvation. And we believe that is the word and vision that God has given to Gateway for 2019. You know, by the grace of God, a mighty move of His Spirit and the faithful ministry of His people, we believe that God is going to save hundreds and hundreds of people from the power and the consequences of sin this year through our church. And as we commit to praying for salvation, sharing our story of salvation, and building a community of salvation right here at Gateway Redlands, we believe that we're going to see that vision become a reality right before our very eyes. And last week, you know, I enjoyed sharing this vision. I enjoyed unpacking it for you a little bit more. And if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to uh, listen to it on our podcast channel uh, on iTunes, which is called Gateway Baptist Church Redlands Campus, uh, for a little more information about that. But, you know, one of the ways that, that we have um, encouraged you to be a part of seeing this vision of hundreds of people safe from the power and consequence of sin here at Gateway Redlands and in our surrounding community uh, was to take a video selfie of your story and then share it to your Facebook page. And last week, right here, bam, did that online. All my friends have been seeing it, and there have been some great conversations as a result of that as well, and all thanks to God. Uh, but today, uh, our welcome team coordinator, Brett Long, has been kind enough and bold enough to let us watch his video selfie. So uh, I think that's great. And uh, would you please turn your attention to the screen? Hi, friends. This term at Gateway Baptist, we've been encouraged to share our salvation stories with those we live, work, and laugh with. So I just want to let you know that Jesus is my living hope, not religion or man-made rules, but the Jesus who lived, died, and rose again. And through him, I have uh, hope, joy, peace, and I'm a child of God. And if you give him a chance, he can make a difference in your life too. That's it. I'm out. Awesome. Let's put our hands together for Brett. Well done, bro. Man, we're going to continue to see stories like that recorded, uh, uploaded. I am going to grab a few and show them every week here at church as well. So we're looking forward to hearing many, many more stories about the salvation we've experienced through Christ alone. 
Hey, to help us see this vision become a reality, we have launched this sermon series called Salvation. And we are looking at the book of Exodus for the entirety of term one. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to uh, turn it open to the book of Exodus uh, found in the Old Testament. And as you know, the word Exodus simply means the way out or departure. And it was written by Moses between 1400 and 1100 BC. And it records a time in history when Israel was under the oppression of Egypt. And you can read all about that in Exodus chapter 1. You know, it also tells us that Moses uh, was born a Hebrew. He was raised as an Egyptian. And uh, after witnessing an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and thinking the coast was clear and having a conscience about who he was and where he came from, Moses ended up killing and beating this Egyptian servant or this Egyptian officer and also buried the body. Word about this incident spread quickly. Pharaoh heard about it. He tried to pursue and kill Moses. So Moses actually fled Egypt to a place called Midian. And you can read all about that in Exodus chapter 2. But this morning, I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And it is where we find the well-known and infamous story about Moses and the burning bush, an experience that Moses was not expecting. All right, it was an experience that Moses was not expecting. So if you have your Bibles open, uh, please read along with me. The words will be on the screen. I'm going to read from chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 3 to get the ball rolling. It reads this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. You know, one of the first thoughts I'd like to share about this well-known story in the Bible is the fact that this bush, the burning bush, was a disruption, okay? It was a disruption. You know, after 40 years, Moses had become used to a certain way of doing life. He had become used to his daily routine, which included tending to his father-in-law's flock. Now, if you've got history or experience in farming, you might know what that's like. For me, I've just got a picture of Moses with like a nail filer just going to work on some of the sheep. Perhaps he's got a set of Breville clippers and he's doing a bit of a trim job on all the sheep. I'm not quite sure. But what we do know is that Moses had a way of doing life. He had a normal routine and that was disrupted at the burning bush. You know, Midian was located on both sides of the Gulf of Aqaba, which is a deep, narrow body of water bordered by Israel, Jordan, Egypt, and also Saudi Arabia. And as far as the mountain of Horeb goes, the overarching narrative in the Hebrew Bible describes Horeb and Mount Sinai as the same location. And as you all know, it is there where God formed his covenant 
with Israel after their deliverance from Egypt and more so in the giving of the Ten Commandments. Yet when it comes to the burning bush, what's all that about? You know, gee, as followers of Jesus, you know, we, we read a lot of interesting things in Scripture. There's a lot of stories there that are pretty hard for, you know, those in the community to kind of swallow, right? The burning bush, what a story. And in fact, I was trying to uh, get a bush on stage and some petrol and light it on fire, but I couldn't be bothered putting together the risk assessment uh, that was required to do that. So I thought, hey, words on a screen is going to be uh, good enough for you all this morning. But there are a few theories going around about why God chose to reveal himself through the burning of a bush that was not being consumed by fire. You know, one commentator suggests that it represents the state of Israel in that day who was surrounded by the flames of hardship and cruelty, but God was preserving them. You know, another commentator, they suggest that it simply reveals the nature and the character of God as fire represents purity, power, and glory. And one thing we do know in light of this is that the burning of the bush caught the attention of Moses, or more so the fact that it wasn't being consumed by fire. It interrupted his way of doing life. It interrupted or disrupted his daily routine. So he stopped what he was doing to go over and see what this bush was all about. And then it carries on in verses four, five, and six. Read that with me. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here it is, get a load of this word, these words. Moses says, here I am. Here I am. Hold that thought. Do not come any closer, God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You know, not only was this burning bush a disruption, but it was also a revelation. It was also a revelation. You know, the removing of sandals, this was required when in the presence of a holy God, but it was also common practice in Egypt, and Moses, who was raised in Egypt, would have known this. You know, when in Egypt, Moses would have witnessed and would have seen Egyptian priests observing this custom in their temples, and today it is something that is still observed in Eastern countries where people take off their sandals or their shoes before entering things like mosques and synagogues. And in fact, when I was preparing this message, you know, I thought, hey, that's a good idea. I like that. And I thought about implementing that here, you know, at Gateway Redlands. But after, you know, our four-wheel driving men's trip yesterday, a few men took their shoes off before they went for a swim. And I thought, no, 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 we're not going to do that anymore. We'll just leave that where it is. And that is within the story uh, of Moses. But it is a custom. The removal of sandals and the hiding of the face, and I really want us to get this this morning, is an acknowledgement of their unworthiness to stand in the presence of a holy God and a sign that Moses and anyone else who did it back then 
understood and were conscious of their own sinfulness and unworthiness when standing before a God who is almighty, who is holy, who is perfect, who is without blemish. It was symbolic of those things. And in fact, Moses was so aware of God's holiness and presence that as a result of it, he was even afraid to look into the very face, the very presence of God. Because I'm not sure whether we as people who live within a broken and fallen body could even handle the fullness, the glory of God. In fact, God said that to Moses when he hid Moses in the cleft of the rock after Moses asked God whether or not he could see his face. God said, I don't think so. That's not a good idea. And obviously it's something that Moses took on board. But the burning bush was not only a disruption, but it was a revelation of God's presence in the midst of the disruption. Let me keep reading from verse seven. It then says this, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You know, after spending a considerable amount of time in Midian, being prepared and trained for whatever it is that God had in store for Moses, God was now confirming to Moses that he has heard the cries of his people and also the role that Moses would play in the salvation of Israel. And in fact, the burning of the bush was not just a disruption. It wasn't just a revelation, but it was also a confirmation to Moses that God had heard the cries of Israel, that he had a plan, and that there was a role for Moses to play in it. Let me explain a little bit more what I'm talking about. Canaan, the land spoken of here, that is Canaan, it was ideal for raising cattle. You know, feeding on the pastures of Canaan meant that goats, sheep, and cows were full of milk and all kinds of dairy products, yogurts, sour cream, and also my favorite chocolate breakers. I'm stretching the hermeneutical rubber band big time here this morning. As well as that, bees were busy making the honey that was required for the bowls of cornflakes that the Israelite children would enjoy from one day to the other. And milk and honey actually suggested agricultural prosperity in the land of Canaan. But, but this is where we get a good picture of salvation. I really love this. And, and if you're getting bored already, please just stay with me for the next minute or two, because this description that we get in these verses paints for us a really good picture of salvation. The salvation of Israel meant that God would bring them out of and into something else. You know, if you read these verses, 
salvation. Remember the definition from last week? It is a deliverance or the preservation of harm, ruin, or loss. The salvation of Israel meant God was gonna bring them up out of the hot and dusty conditions of Egypt, and he was gonna bring them into a land flowing with milk, honey, chocolate breakers, and great bowls of cornflakes. Can you get that picture? That is a beautiful illustration of salvation. This idea that God takes us out of something and then places us into something else, not just anything, a land flowing with milk and honey, a spacious land, a bountiful land, a land where, as John describes Jesus and what he brings, a land of fullness, a land that brings satisfaction to our souls. The out of and into experience, that is what God does. Paul talks more about this in Ephesians 2, when he says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. You've been saved from that, not to then just sit on our backsides, enjoy it, and keep it all to ourselves, but then to do that which he has appointed us to do since the very beginning of time, and that is to do good works, to serve others, to do ministry. It's this out of and into experience. You know, the burning bush was not just a disruption or a revelation from God about God hearing the cries, God's role in it, but also a confirmation that although God had heard the cries of his people and he had a role for Moses to play and we know how the story goes, that it was gonna end in his people being brought up out of and into something else. Gee, that's a good picture. That's good preaching. That's really good preaching. Not just because I'm saying I'm a good preacher. That's the Word of God. That's what God does. That is a picture of salvation. And boy, it does my heart good. Now watch this. You're probably thinking, all right, Jace, you started the message off by saying, you know, uh, has anyone ever said it's not what I expected? And then you told a story and we're in the burning bush and, and we know what the burning bush is about. How on earth does this relate and apply to me? Watch this very, very quickly. You know, some of you in this very room in recent times have experienced a situation in life that was totally unexpected and it has sent your world into a spin. I don't know what it was. I don't know what the cause was, but you have experienced something in your life that you didn't see coming. It was unexpected. It was a disruption. And as a result, it has sent your world into a spin. You know, it might be a broken or a fractured relationship, and now you are left to pick up all the pieces. You know, it may be the early termination of a job or a redundancy package that has left you wondering about what's next. And for others, it could be as simple as being here in church today. You know, yesterday you didn't plan on being here today. It's not a part of, you know, what you usually do in life. It's not a part of your daily routine, yet here you are today. I, I don't know what the cause was or what the situation is, but something has happened in your life that was unexpected and it has thrown your life and your world into a spin. If that is the case, can I please offer up a pastoral thought this morning? 
can I offer up just a, a friendly suggestion as to what may be going on for you in that situation? Too bad if not, because I'm going to tell you anyway. The disruption in your life, whatever it might be, could in fact be your burning bush experience. The disruption in your life could be your burning bush experience. You know, whatever has disrupted your way of doing life, the normal routine, or has sent your world into a spin, I'm not saying that's been caused by God. I'm not saying He's the reason for that. But gee, I can't help but think and say that it's the perfect opportunity to do that which Moses did, and that is to approach it, stand in the presence, the revelation of God, and utter up the same words of Moses, which were, here am I. Here am I. I wonder if the unexpected is your burning bush, and therefore your response could be simply going to God who's in the midst of this disruption, who's present there, who's revealing himself to you, and instead of walking up to the bush and trying to douse it with fire or walking away from the bush, why don't we step toward God and his presence and say, God, here I am. Here I am. You know, that response, in my opinion, is not just an experiment for those who are curious about the things of God. It's not the next best thing because you no longer had what you once had. And it's not the last option for those of you who are desperate. This approach to the disruptions, to your burning bush, and approach that says, here I am, God. What are you gonna do with me? Where are you gonna send me? In my opinion, is the best possible position you can find yourself in life. Can I get an amen to that? Here I am, God. What is it you want me to learn? Where is it that you want me to go? What is it that you want me to do? Just as God disrupted Moses to reveal his presence and confirm his purpose, your situation could be the start of discovering his plan and purposes for your life. Could be. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that it could be. You know, earlier I shared with you the story of my first pastorate in the suburb of Riverview out in Ipswich. You know, as I, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, there was, uh, there was a lot that I was expecting. You know, one, graduating from Bible college was a wonderful achievement. It was great to leave an educational institution without being asked to. You know, I was pretty, pretty, pretty chaffed about that one. But you know, the fact that I had learned and I knew that I wasn't crazy, well, at least as crazy as I thought I was, and that there were people who were affirming my plan or God's plan for my life, you know, that was encouraging. But as I said, you know, I, I went out to Riverview, an area of high need, a low socioeconomic area with my ripped jeans, believing that I was gonna make a difference there with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as I said to you, it actually wasn't what I expected. But you know, the story actually goes a lot, lot deeper than what I shared with you at the start of the message. Now it goes a lot deeper than the poor attendance at life group, youth group, and on Sundays. It actually goes much, much deeper than that. It goes to the point where my wife and I found ourselves in extreme financial trouble. 
It actually goes to the point where I found myself and my life being threatened by someone who recently got out of prison and he had a knife to my stomach. You know, it actually involves going to a point where I was stressed and I wasn't sleeping well. And you know how I like to lead transparently my church. Here it goes, here it comes again. It also took me to a point where there was a misuse of alcohol. And it also took me to a point where all of this nearly cost me my marriage. I nearly lost my wife. And when you start adding all these things together and watching it kind of compound into what it became, you know, you're looking at a pastor who once upon a time experienced severe burnout, severe stress, and I ended up leaving the ministry for a short period of time and flogging Foxtel up at Carindale Shopping Centre. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. At least I get it really cheap these days. The Lord works in mysterious ways. But that's how deep that story goes for me. You know, and as you guys look at this picture, man, you know, picture the dog running around. It's kind of cute, not as cute as my dog, Bindi. You now we had an overhead projector. You know, that wall up the back, as you can see, is a big curtain. And behind that's a whole lot of mess. And, and I got these little clips that I'd stick to the roof you know, clips that look like that and you feed the pole through it and you hang the, the curtain down. That's how I created that kind of backing. Yet the problem was, you know how hot an Ipswich summer can be? Yeah, the glue on those clips would melt and I'd be in the middle of preaching, you know, preaching hard out and then crash, bang, boom. The entire curtain comes falling down and it's just left exposed. But when you look at that picture, you know, all these kind of things might come to mind. But for my wife and I, and I'm kind of glad she's not here right now, or at least in the, in the pews, stirs up a lot of emotion within me and probably more so for my wife. And uh, if I get in trouble for telling you this, I'll have to apologize to her later but my wife was actually inappropriately approached by an older folk or an older man in our suburb, and it took my wife years to get over that. That picture there stirs up a lot of emotions for us about a time in our life that was unexpected. I had the ripped jeans and everything, but it wasn't what I expected. But can I tell you what that experience did for my wife and I? It did something very similar to that of Moses. And I'm not trying to put myself on the same level of Moses here, but very similar to Moses, where we walk toward this disruption in life. And I was reminded that, you know, even though this is going on, God is still present with me, but, but the learning for Angela and I was simply this. Here we are, God. Here I am. What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to know? Where do you want me to go? And what do you want me to do? And as a result of that, I've reached perfection as a pastor. And uh, what? What are you laughing at? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But that was the position that I found myself in. And as a result of that, and this is what I, what I want you to get this morning as well, it actually unlocked the purposes of God for my life. And the thought I want to share with you this morning 
If, if you've gone through something that was unexpected and it's thrown your world into a spin and, and you're left to pick up the pieces and, and your normal routine is, is, is off because you're in church and you're all that kind of stuff, can I suggest that that's not only possibly a burning bush experience for you, but that unexpected situation in your life could also be that which unlocks the purposes of God for your life. And in order to discover that, it might just be a a simple matter of stepping toward the bush, removing your sandals and saying to God, here I am, what do you want me to do? And as the disruption becomes revelation, I wonder and can't help but believe in my heart that will also be a confirmation about your position and your place in God's plan of salvation for mankind. Hey, uh, can I get us across this place uh, just to uh, enter into a time of prayer? Let's just bow our heads and and close our eyes. And and just quickly, before I call out to the people of God here this morning, now I wonder if there's someone here in the building who is here for the first time. And, and, you know, your world is in a spin for whatever reason. Something unexpected has happened to you. But at no point in your life and in your journey have you ever asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. You know, you have not given Him your life. You have not walked with Him. And turning to Him and saying, here I am, is the foreign concept. You know, if you've gone through a time in life and you think that maybe that is your burning bush experience, a time to step toward God and say, here I am, take my life for the very first time. Man, I'd love to just pray for you this morning. That's all I'm gonna do. And if that's you, why don't you just pop your hand uh, up in the sky right now. It's all I'm gonna get you to do. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer that's gonna see you become a child of God because of the faith you're gonna place in Jesus. Would anyone here like to give their life to Jesus for the very, very first time this morning? If so, just place your hand in the air right now. I'm just going to pray for you. Anyone this morning, don't let that racing heart, that churning gut, the thought about what your friends are going to think when you tell them, you know, stop you from being in the best possible position you could ever be in. This place here, I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else here this morning, that would love to make that decision for the very first time here today. You're amongst friends. You're amongst family. We'd love to pray for you. That's cool. Hey, for the lady who placed your hand in the air, I just want you to follow me as I pray. You can pray it, you know, under a whisper or in your heart, whatever you like. And church, why don't the rest of us just join that person in prayer as well. Friend, just repeat after me and say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me. I acknowledge your presence in my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. And Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Come into my life. Unlock my purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, there was a lady that prayed that for the very first time here this morning. I think we need to encourage her and bless her this morning. 
You, you, you are not here by accident, my friend. Whatever that burning bush experience was for you, yeah, uh, mate, God's got you here for that reason. And this is the start of a wonderful journey for you. I ask that, that you don't take off too quickly. A member of our welcome team is gonna come and give you something uh, that's gonna help you begin your journey of, uh, of following Jesus today. Hey, why don't the rest of us stand to our feet this morning? And as you do, I wanna create a, uh, an opportunity for the rest of us to respond. You know, there are, there are people of God here today, you know, those who follow Jesus, that have experienced something unexpected in your life. It just came up out of the blue. It sent your world into a spin. It's probably impacted your prayer life, your devotional life. Well, this morning, if you want that to be, you know, the unlocking of God's purpose and plan for your life, if you want that to be something that's gonna reveal the next season or the next chapter for you, man, I'd love you to do this. Instead of running from this bush, and I'm just going to invite you to come forward. And as you do, I'm going to ask you to remove your shoes. Yeah, typical, right? A sermon on the you know, burning bush, and I'm going to ask you to remove your shoes. Like, that's original. But if that's you, why don't you just come forward, remove your shoes up the front here, and, uh, and stand before God and just say, you know what, that which was unexpected for me, my response is, here I am, God. Unlock whatever it is that you have for me next. And we're going to have members of our prayer team that are just gonna pray that over you, that the unexpected is going to unlock something of God in your life. So prayer team, can I get you to come out right now? And if that's you, why don't you just come, make your way forward, just declare to God, here I am, here I am, unlock whatever's next in my life uh, for me. Come on, just begin coming down right now as we sing, God, I look to you, the one who has everything that we need. Come on, just start making your way forward and let someone pray over you today. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.